Hey, Adam Smolcom here, lead pastor of Vive Church. Welcome to our podcast. I pray that God will speak to you through the message today and that a greater level of faith would be unlocked in your life. God bless. Now we're gonna come around the mighty Word of God. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to James chapter two, verse 14. James chapter two, verse 14. And you'll notice, you know what, Pastor Adam isn't here today, but it's okay. He's left you in good hands. I'm gonna bring the Word and bring the fourth instalment of our series. But He sends His love. He's in San Francisco right now with our San Francisco campus and they're gonna be having a blast. They're blessed to have Him. But in verse 14, we have James and he's talking about faith without good deeds is dead. I hope you're ready to today, church. Are you ready? Okay, so it says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day and stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. And I just wanna pause there for a second because I think sometimes as the believers, we've thought faith is enough. But James says faith isn't enough unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now anyone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds, says James. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the Scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. How cool is that? So you see, We are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. I gotta tell you, it's the fourth instalment of our By All Means series today. My husband has been preaching up a storm. In the first instalment, he entitled his message, By All Means. He taught us that the church, for the church, the world is not the enemy of the church. No, the world is the mission field of the church. We have to get that right because there's so many of us who need to go out into the world and bring people into the church. And then in his second instalment, he preached a message that he entitled, Stop the Stones. And we learnt from Luke chapter 10 what our job is as believers. And I'm deliberately being elusive there, so you will go back and podcast it because it was a great message. 
And then last week, Easter Sunday, he preached a message, so what does this mean? And you know, that's a question that society asks all the time, what does all this mean? And so he connected the dots for us from the Old Testament to the New Testament to Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. And today I wanna just take a little bit of a different look at this by all means phrase. Because I don't know about you, but when I came into relationship with Jesus, I encountered a God of possibilities. I encountered a whole new world that opened up to me that was like, wow, this can happen. I don't have to be trapped in my depression. I don't have to be trapped in anxiety. I don't have to be the sad person all the time. No, I can be free of this stuff. So I encountered a God of possibility. And you know what? In that realm of possibility, I also encountered that God wanted to use me. Like, like you really are, are by all means, God. You're gonna use me. That's, that's a means. And so, and so I remember just going, wow, God. He's a permission-giving God, church. He, he says, yes, certainly I can flow through you. Yes, definitely. My power is at work in you. Yes, I have a plan for you. In fact, your plan has been worked into my plan that I have for humanity that is connected to other people's plans. And so I wanna go on a journey today of you know, exploring the possibilities with God. But I don't want you to just, you know, I think a lot of people come into the church and they experience the possibilities of God. And they believe God can do anything and He can through those who believe. And so we just get stuck in the arena of possibility and we never move into the arena of probability because we diminish or we minimise our part to play. And so I've just been asking God the question this week, what would it look like to move people? I wanna move people out of the realm of possibility so that they will enter into the realm of probability and see God at work in the earth today. And so I think there's a divine partnership that's gonna take place as I preach this word, a word that I'm entitling, permission granted. Permission granted. Let's pray. I think now's a good time to pray. Father, I thank You for Your presence in this place. I thank You for Your power encapsulated. And when two or more of us gather together, Lord, You say in Your Word that there You are in our midst. So in Your presence, God, I pray that we would be transformed as You promise not leaving here the same, not thinking the same. Lord, transform us from the inside out so that we will be truly free, carrying freedom into the earth today. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Why don't you high five the person next to you or fist bump them or hug them or slap them in a nice way. Just a little pat on the back, you know, to just say, hey, and and happy birthday, Hermione, and happy birthday, Bella. There's a few birthdays in the house. We love you. Yes, you got a shout out on your birthday. You're special. God loves you. Um, But I want to talk about what I touched on a little bit just before. You would have heard me mention two words, possibility and probability. And you see, possibility means it can happen. 
you know, probability has a bit of a different meaning. And so I think sometimes we can confuse the two, and if you're anything like me, you've confused the two, and you've replaced possible with probable sometimes. I'm gonna unpack this a little more for you because I know it's a little ambiguous right now, but every year my family loves to go to Tahoe for Christmas. Anybody else have that tradition where you just kind of go up there and you have a white Christmas? And I gotta tell you, this is fun for me as an ex-Aussie, now USA citizen, okay? Because in Australia, Christmas is summer, so we are making snowmen, are really sandmen. We are on the beach, we are eating lobsters and seafood while you are having Christmas turkey. And it's a whole different experience. To be able to do Christmas in the snow is like what we have dreamed about our entire lives. So we like to go get a cabin up in Tahoe with the possibility of snow, but it's never assured, right? And so I play this possibility-probability game with my app every year as December begins. And I pull out my phone and every day I will be texting Pastor Lizelle and I will be saying, there's a snowflake. Like, it's gonna snow. And I've been reading this app like it's possibility, but like it's probability, but it's just possibility, right? So, So the app used to taunt me and tease me for years. It would tell me there was a snowflake, there's gonna be snow, but that just means there's a 10% chance of snow. Like the weatherman was lying. And so I would read this and then I would tell my children, it's gonna snow, it's gonna be a Christmas miracle. Now, this is problematic. You do not want to be the false prophet to your children. As a mother, you've been working and honing that profitability for prophetic ability (laughs) for years. You have to be accurate. And so so I learned, you know, over time, this app has gotten a lot better, right? So now when you look at it, you've got UV ray stuff on there. There's like, it tells you uh, the UV index. So you know whether to put sunscreen on or not. Have you checked this lately? This is really cool. It even has colors on it when there's a nice sunset. There's... It tells you when the sun is gonna rise and when the sun is gonna set. It tells you the wind, how fast it's going. It tells you precipitation, that there's 0% of precipitation and there's not going to be any for the next 10 days. That would have come in handy. Back in the day when I was proclaiming the difference between possibility and probability with my kids, possibility is like it can happen, 10% chance. Probability is like 70% chance. It's probably gonna happen. Like you can kind of bank on some sleet and some snow, there's gonna be some downfall. And so I say this and I make the differentiation for you and I hope that you're tracking with me today because I think that what we've done, Vox Jen is, that was great, good job guys. I think what we've done though as Christians is we have confused what's possible with probable and what we've done is we've been waiting for years on years for a miracle to come that never came because we misread the situation that God was gonna do all the miracles and God was gonna do all the work, but we didn't need to get involved. 
And so I wanna help some people out today so that you will understand what James is saying, that you gotta work your faith. That yes, there's some amazing things that are available to us as believers. And yes, there are possibilities that can take place with God, but they are hinged on the fact that we get involved and move them into the probability space. And so this by all means series, my husband planned it to be an evangelistic series because Christianity is not a selfish religion. It's not just about you and Jesus. When you get you and Jesus, you get you, Jesus, and the family, the church. And so he wants to help us to prepare ourselves and to mature ourselves and to move from the arena of possibility where everything is possible with God, but to move things into the zone of probability because we begin to participate. I want to I motivate you today to your part to play. And I want to also unveil and reveal to you that God's already done a whole lot. Like if you're still waiting for God to do the work, He's already done His work. He's waiting for us. And so uh, over history and over time, we can see that God has used all manner of means to reveal Himself to humanity. He's not the kind of God that is playing hide and seek. He's not trying to be aloof. He's not trying to make you go on a guessing game to try and find Him. No, God is the kind of God that is trying to make it abundantly obvious to you that He exists and that He has created the world world and that He is there from the beginning and the end and that you are a part of this whole equation and He's got plans for you. So God has been doing this through many different means and I want to talk to you about those means because to talk about God making His presence known by all means is to talk in theological terms about His general revelation. And, you know, you'll have experienced this if you've never heard the, the theological term general revelation. You've just experienced it anyway in general. If you've stepped outside and you have looked at the sky and you've seen a sunset, you have experienced the general revelation of God. And it's general in lots of different ways. It's general in its scope because it witnesses to all people. If you would never hear the message of Jesus, you would still have some idea that God exists or something bigger than you exists because of creation. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it says, For He gives His sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends His rain on the just and the unjust alike. It is also general in its geography, in the way that it is encompasses the entire earth, the whole earth, every nationality, every part of the earth is covered in this general revelation. In Psalm 19, I want to show you what it says here, verse 1. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. I mean, yesterday I was sitting in my vineyard looking out at the 
sunset and it was so beautiful. I could feel the presence of God in that place as he was painting the skies. And every sunset and every sunrise is different. Not one of them are the same. It's his craftsmanship on display. And it says that day after day they continue. These sunsets, these sunrises, they continue to speak. Night after night they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth. Their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It's also general in its methodology since it uses universal means and varied elements of God's creation, like the heat of the sun or like the human conscience. You know, your human conscience that you can't get away from that's just there. It declares the reality and the glory of God because he put it on the inside of you. And so this general revelation, it's not the only means that God has chosen to witness himself to humanity. That's just one of the means. He's chosen general revelation, but he's also chosen special revelation. You see, general revelation reveals general truths about God, that he's creative, that he's awesome, that he like, you know, he's pretty amazing, okay? He's innovative, you know, he's ordered. There's all these things. Okay, but special revelation reveals more specific truths about God that can be known through the supernatural. And see, God uses both of these forms to reveal himself to us. And I wanna talk to you about some of those special revelations that maybe we're a little more familiar with in the church. You know, it's like when God appears, You know, there's these moments where God has physically made an appearance to people in the Word of God, where He has shown up and He has delivered a dream or He has delivered a vision to people. And some of you may have encountered these. You know, there's other another form of special revelation and that is the Word of God. That's why I make you stand every time we read the Word of God. You stand in the presence of, you know, people who are honourable, but there's nothing more great than this amazing Word that gets to go to work in our world. It's a special revelation. And, you know, the most important revelation of all is the special revelation of Jesus Christ Himself. And and I wanna unpack these a little bit more for you to just give you a little bit of proof in case you don't believe me. But the Bible records in Genesis chapter three how God in the cool of the evening breeze while it was blowing, he walked into the garden with Adam and Eve. Like, could we just pause for a second? Like, how cool would that be? I feel like I had a moment like that yesterday in my vineyard. As the cool breeze was blowing in the afternoon, right as the sun sets, there's this breeze that comes through. It's like the breath of God. And then all of these, I'm not even kidding you because it's on my Instagram, all these little bunnies came running out and were playing. And then birds singing. And it was just like the Garden of Eden all over again. And so... It was, it really was. And so the Bible also records that in in many instances, in many stories in the Bible, it records uh, God speaking to people through dreams and through visions. 
You know, you've got Jacob in Genesis 28 where he has the dream of a stairwell going from earth up to heaven and angels ascending and descending on this stairway. And then you've also got Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. I don't know what play you saw or what, you know, Sunday school activity you did. But, you know, for those of us who never went to Sunday school, Joseph had dreams. He had dreams that God and visions that God was going to elevate him above his brothers. So God does that. He speaks to his people through dreams and visions still, even today. And so another form of special revelation is the Bible. And I got to tell you, I mean, the fact that there's so many different writers and the fact that all their personalities were captured in these pages and their, you know, different styles of writing. There's poetry in here. There is, you know, more, more factual, you know, writings in here. It's beautiful to see the way that God records his message for mankind through all these different authors. It's special revelation. It is also a word that is living and active. Like literally every time we open this book, it goes to work in our world. It is sharp. It pierces the heart. The words jump out and they get at you. They get on the inside of you, transforming you. This is a God-breathed word also. It is inspired. It is profitable. It is sufficient. It has everything in it for you to conquer in this life. Special revelation. We take this special revelation for granted so often, just put it on our shelf. Special revelation tells you so much about yourself, so much about your call. And this, this special revelation reveals Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, It tells us this, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance. And through the Son, He created the universe. The Son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. He sustains everything by the mighty power of His command. And when He had cleansed us from our sins, He sat down in the place of honour at the right hand of the majestic God in the heavens. I go to all the effort to tell you that God has witnessed to humanity through general revelation. He has also used special revelation so that we could have an understanding and get a specific revelation in our spirit. You see, when you start to begin to connect the dots, all that that sunset was on display so that you would have an awareness of God, all that the special revelation comes into play and you read the Word and you realise that God planned this all along, that He created humanity, that He created you, that He knit you together in your mother's womb, that no matter the situation and circumstances are, that it is that you ended up on this earth, whether your parents planned you or didn't plan you, God planned you, that He knit you together in that womb so that you would have a purpose 
in this life. And so it's not up to guesswork anymore. This special revelation has revealed a specific revelation which changes the way that you behave. It changes the way that you act. It changes the way that you do life. And when you get a specific revelation on the inside of you and you understand that God saved you so that He would save others, you get hold of that specific revelation like it's an invitation and you run all over the earth and you share that specific revelation with other people around you. You see, it's so powerful the way that God wants to partner with us, the people of God. He uses believers to bring about that special revelation so that people will understand, they will have revelation. And so this is what James is talking about. He's saying, I want you to possess faith in God, a faith in God that transforms you, but a faith in God that also gets put to work so that you can transform other people. Illuminate God to others. Next time you're sitting with a family member and you're looking at the sunset, isn't God amazing? Bring Him into the conversation. Let Him minister to them through what He has already put on display. God's done His part. By all means, He's been declaring His presence. He has been making Himself known to humanity. The fact that this book is still going, the earliest and longest book of all time, this book is still in rotation, is God constantly declaring His goodness, His mission, His power, His purpose, and His plans. And you know what I find about God? I find that He's not a solo mission kind of God. Like He's the kind of God that invites us into the equation. You see, He's he's not the kind of God who does anything alone. In fact, if you thought that God does everything on His own, you are incorrect. It has always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Even when He created this beautiful earth that we get to live in, He created it, He spoke it into being and the Holy Spirit hovered over the void spheres of the earth and made there be form where there was no form. And so God always works in partnership. He wants to work in partnership with you today. And so, so this is what we, I mean by all means that God is wanting to help us become a part of what He is doing in the earth. You see, I find in coming back to the question I posed at the beginning of this message, that so many of us get stuck in the arena of possibility. I've revealed to you, you know, that there is that arena and and many people have gotten stuck in that zone of possibility. I want to unpack some for you because James talks about Rahab, but we can't talk about Rahab until we talk about Joshua and, and we talk about Israel and we talk about what was taking place there. And so as the book of Joshua opens up, we find that we have the Israelites and they are camped on the east bank of the Jordan River at the very edge of the promised land. They're about to go in and take what is theirs, what is rightfully theirs, what God has promised them. And they're contemplating uh, on this, on this, in this moment as they're about to go in, but at the same time, they're mourning Moses who has just died. And so 39 years earlier, we need to understand that the Israelites had an opportunity to enter the promised land. 
It's just that in that moment, 39 years ago, they failed to trust that God would give them the victory. They failed in the arena of possibility. Some of us have failed in the arena of possibility, even believing that God could set you free from your depression or that God could set you free from your anxiety or that God could save your marriage. We've failed in this arena of possibility just like they did. And so for a season of time, they wandered in the wilderness. And some of you understand what it is to wander in the wilderness. You've been in it right now. You're wandering around it. And you know, it's in this time over these 39 years that they are discovering what it is to get a work to their faith. They're discovering what it is to start to begin to obey God again and do what it is that He set asked them to do. They're learning how to trust Him. They're also teaching the next generation what it is to obey God. Don't do what we did. Don't make the mistakes that we made before. I need you to get up and I need you to have faith and I need you to put it to work. And so here we are, this Joshua generation standing on the precipice of what is about to take place. They're about to take victory, but you will never get your victory unless you get some action to your faith. And so Joshua is preparing them for what is to come. And I wanna just remind you today that, you know, the arena of possibility is just the starting point. It's not the 40 year sticking point. We're never meant to just stay stuck in the arena of possibility. That is immaturity as a Christian. Just believing that God's gonna do all the work and we don't have to do anything. No, God wants to take you into a realm today where you begin to activate your faith, where you begin to say yes to the possibilities and the promises of God for your life. Maybe you've said yes to the possibilities for another, but. God wants you to say yes to the possibilities for you. And then you need to begin to walk towards those things. And so, so to move from what's possible to what's probable is highly practical. I know people get so annoyed when I preach because they're like, I have to do something with this message. Like, I can't just walk away inspired. I now have to do something with the Word. But this is, this isn't pressure. This is privilege. So, so what's possible with God is made probable when we play our part. I could have stood on the shores of Australia and said, gee, I believe that there's gonna be an amazing church and revival in California. I believe for it, but if I didn't get my butt on a plane, if I didn't sell everything I had, if I didn't work my faith, this would not exist. God is the God of possibilities. But possibilities never become probabilities unless we get involved. And that's why you get it. 
But that's why when Pastor Adam gets up and he paints a vision and he says, we're going to awaken people to the reality of Jesus. That's when you stand to your feet and you go, yes, we are. We're going to plant campuses. We're going to give of our finances. We're going to buy buildings so that we can have kingdom land, so that people can be ministered to, so that we can have hope, so that we can have healing for a generation. And so they become probable when we, the believers, show up, when we step up. And this is what Joshua is starting to do with the people. After 39 years camped in possibility. And I just wanna pause there for a second because some of you have activated a little bit of faith, but there's more. Some of you have some really big possibilities that are on the inside of you that God's spoken over you but they haven't yet been acted on. And so there's possibilities that we've been camping on and we will not realise their potential unless we step into the probability zone and do some things. So Joshua does this. He says, you know what? We have to take the city uh, of Jericho. And so that's our promised land. But around the promised land is a big fortified wall, okay? And so he's like, I'm gonna have to send two spies in. We're gonna have to check it out. So he decides he's gonna send two faith-filled spies in. And you know, when he goes in, here's where Rahab comes into the equation. He goes, they go to Rahab's house. Rahab is the prostitute. She lives on the edge of society. She lives in the wall that is about to come down. And so tucked away in this wall, these visitors who are coming through to spy out the land, it's just a natural place for them to kind of go and stay the night, to look like travellers who are passing through. And so she takes them in, but the king of Jericho is like, has been told that there's some spies in, in the land. And so he goes and knocks on her house and he's like, give us the spies. And she's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. There are no spies here. And so she's hidden them on the rooftop and she's protecting them. And then she lets them out later. But I, want, I say all of this because she was just a girl who probably still had the same sentiment and mood of fear with the rest of Jericho. And she, but she acknowledged the Lord. The others didn't. She turned, she made a decision to follow Him. She was like, the kind of God that you have, if He's for you, then maybe He will be for me. And so she gets this courage to begin to work her faith immediately. And you see, when you start to think differently, you start to behave differently. When you really believe something, something shifts in your behaviour. And here's like a pivotal conversation. I just wanna to read to you for one second. It says in Joshua 2, that as before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the rooftop to talk to them. And she says, I know, I know the Lord has given you this land. She said, we are all afraid of you. And I think that's interesting because we are always so afraid of our enemy, yet our enemy is often more afraid of us than we are of it. And so, 
Everyone in the land is living in terror for we have heard how the Lord has made a path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. And I just think it's so interesting that something that happened 40 years ago, that a work of faith helped her put her faith to work immediately in that moment. And I just believe that God is doing something in our church, in this hour, in your heart, in our nation, that He has been doing time and time again in history, where throughout history, walls of impossibility have presented themselves and they have tried to intimidate the people of God. They've tried to get the people of God on the back foot. It's that those, these walls of intimidation, walls of anxiety, walls of I can't say anything these days, walls of all of those things, walls of water for Moses, that they couldn't get out and get away from their enemy, walls preventing them from getting into their promised land, walls of all of these things. And I just find that there were a few because I've read my Word, the inspired, the special revelation of God. I've, I've found that there's a few people in here who actually stood up in their generation and said, you know what? I am going to choose to address the walls in front of me. I am not gonna be on the back foot. I'm not gonna allow some giant to intimidate me. I am gonna begin to descend upon these walls and I am gonna put my faith to work and I am gonna allow God to be brought into the situation because we are the ambassadors of heaven. Because we're here, God's here. Because we're in this city, there is a light in this city. Because we're in this city, there is hope in this city. Because we're here, healing still flows. And a bunch of people stood up and said, not on my watch, not on my watch. I'm gonna see a move of God in my day. I'm not gonna wait on somebody else to do it. You know, we all get so good at like looking over our shoulder. Gee, I hope Pastor Michelle saves the city. She's real brave. But she's not in your workplace. She's not with your family. God's calling you to stand up. Why don't you stand up today? What's the point and what's the lesson of today? The lesson is that the possibilities of God become probable when we get involved. And today is a day of activation. Today is a day that I have planned for you to say, I am going to put my faith to work. I'm not just gonna hear things anymore and think it's for somebody else. I'm gonna take that Word and I'm gonna apply it to my life. I'm gonna take that healing Scripture and I'm gonna declare it over me. I'm gonna take that salvation and I'm gonna say, yes, He is my God and He does save me and He does have a plan for me, amen? I asked, I asked the worship team to help me close out this service a little differently because you have permission granted. Permission granted, you have all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And He gave that authority to you and I. Greater things shall we do. 
it's time for the people of God to go, I'm gonna lay hold of that authority. I'm gonna move. So I wanna do something different at the end of this service. We're talking about heaven invading. I'm gonna ask you to let heaven invade you first. I'm gonna pray for you and then I'm gonna let the worship team play. And as they play, I would love it if you would descend upon this stage, not on this stage, but down here to the altar so that you could put your life on the altar again, afresh. Some of you, it's been way too long since you had an altar moment where God just altered some things in you, just shook off some things and set you free so that you could move into the new thing that God has for you. It's your way of saying, I'm moving out of possibility into probability. I'm moving my butt, okay? Let me pray for them first. They're getting you ready to run, but I need to pray for you first because we don't run without God. We run with Him. He goes before us. Father, I thank You. I thank You, God. I thank You for what You have divinely spoken specifically to Your people. I thank You for specific revelation. Lord, that has located every heart and every soul in this place, that not one of us is assuming that somebody else has a call that we don't. God, we are identified as Yours today. We are identifying ourselves as Your sons and Your daughters. We are identifying ourselves as ambassadors of heaven. We are identifying ourselves as carriers of the Holy Spirit. We are identifying ourselves as heaven bringers in the earth today. Father, we thank You that Your power accompanies us. Lord, would You help us as we run in to our world this week. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Hey, I hope you were blessed by that message. We release new content every single week here at Vive Church. And so if you don't wanna miss any of it, I would encourage you, go ahead and subscribe. Also visit our website, vivechurch.org to stay up to date with everything that's happening in the life of Vive Church. God bless you.